This is the When We Arise podcast for women ready for a jumpstart to get out of bed, out of our heads, and into a meaningful, rich life. I'm Talis Strube. I'm a believer, wife, mom of three, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. When We Arise is an intersection of faith and fitness that ignites the very presence of the Holy Spirit within us so that we can be a light to those around us. Here, we will share stories that spark positive momentum and joy. And because dance is such a powerful tool for how we experience joy, with each episode, I will share the newest addition to the When We Arise playlist and get us dancing into our lives to do amazing things with God when we arise. All right, before we get into the episode today, as I'm recording, I have to tell you this story that just happened to me just now. So it is um, about 7.15 a.m. and I just got back from a walk with my dog. It was just my dog and myself and um, we're actually home alone. My husband and the kids aren't here Um, and we went out for a walk and I was coming around this corner. It was just our like one of our normal loops. And I look up and I see this buck, like a deer, buck, antlers, like full, (laughs) staring right at us. And I'm like, oh, uh, okay. And we live in, okay, we live in the city, like in the middle of the city, but there are a lot of old trees and wooded areas around us. So we see deer all the time. So it didn't freak me out. Like, why is there a deer here? But when a buck is staring you dead in the eye, you stop. But because I'm kind of used to seeing deer, my first, you know, like gut reaction was just to continue forward, thinking he'd run away. But he didn't. He actually then came toward us. And I'm like, oh, the dog. Like, and I have a pretty big dog. She's 90 pounds. She's a chocolate lab Weimaraner mix. So she's really pretty dark, but she's like the size of a small deer. So, um, yeah, I was like, oh no. And it just like the adrenaline rush that just came through my body. So I paused. I took three steps back, kind of turn. I pulled Luna's leash a little bit to turn her and he bolted the other way and just took off. But oh man, that'll wake you up. Okay. So I'm awake this morning. And the irony of that whole situation is the reason why my husband and kids aren't here is they went down to my in-law's house last night. So Tyler could hunt. (laughs) He didn't get anything last night. And I know he's sitting out in the stand this morning. So I'm hoping for his sake that he gets closer to a deer than I did this morning, but maybe not. I was pretty close. So anyway, okay. Today's episode. Is about a phenomenon called the sunk cost fallacy. So you might be familiar, but if those words mean nothing to you, let me ask you this. Have you ever found yourself reluctant to abandon a business, a strategy, or a relationship because you've already invested heavily into this time energy, resources, but you know that abandoning this, whatever it is, would be more beneficial. That is the definition of the sunk cost fallacy. When we're in something so deep, or at least we believe we're so deep, that turning back 
would be ridiculous, but there's this deep-seated knowing that abandonment is actually what we need to do. So oftentimes, again, in a business, that's a really clear example. Let's say we've invested a lot of money, we've invested time, we've tried to grow. Um, we will look at all of those numbers and say, well, that's a lot. So we can't just like fold. We can't turn back now. Um, and also in a relationship, maybe um, you've been in a relationship with somebody and this could be a romantic relationship, but also a friendship. And you're like, well, I mean, we've, you, we've been together for so long. Like, I know it's not great. I know they don't treat me the best, but like, you know, it's just, so I want to start by saying that this is not me encouraging you to quit your job today or uh, leave your relationship. Um, certainly not the call here. But what I want to do instead is just introduce you to this phenomenon, especially if you haven't heard of it before, and invite a pause to just take a pulse of what's going on in your life and look around like, do you have any signs of a sunk cost fallacy? And should that be examined? Because maybe it's not something that you need to discontinue, but instead you might need to take a pivot and approach it a little bit differently. But I want to share a story about something that certainly was a sunk sunk cost fallacy for me, um, but it didn't start out that way. So I was fortunate to have a really good friend in the city where we used to live who was a lot like me, she's um, high achieving, entrepreneur brain, like just always had such a cool, creative mind to want to meet problems. And so she and I would um, hang out quite a bit. We'd go on walks together and we were on a walk one night when she tossed out this business idea um, she had. Um, and I was like, oh, well, she, well, she approached it like this problem that she had. And I was like, I'm definitely feeling the pains of that same problem. And she's like, well, I kind of have this idea I want to try. Um, so I was, I was kind of like flushing it out with her. And by the end of the conversation, this was maybe like a 20 minute walk. We're like, oh, there's something, there's something to this. And so, um, we ended up applying for a program, uh, where you, it was like, um, startup incubator or an accelerator program where you have an idea, um, you develop a minimum viable product, MVP. If you're from the startup community, that's a familiar term. And so we did that. And then we were finding ourselves in a room full of, um, potential mentors and investors and that, <laughs> that process. So from when we went on the walk to when we were in the program was like six weeks, maybe a month. And two months after that, we were winning prize money at pitch contests to like make this a real thing. And um, two years after that, we had formed a business. We had hired um, staff. We had grown to two different cities um, and we were, you know, forging ahead. So on paper, that all sounds like really cool. And there were aspects that were really cool. But behind the scenes, I was feeling very torn and worn. Um, deep down, I knew that this mission of that business, like it really wasn't my end all be all. And there was something else um, really tugging at my heart. And if you've been listening to this podcast or you know me personally, you know that 
I'm a dancer. I always have been. That's a big part of my life. I perform and I teach in many different capacities, but in that season, my time was being so focused on this startup company. Um, and it was an e-commerce site, um, and going to pitch contests and talking to investors and, um, you know, going back and forth. I was talking to my co-founder more than my husband in that season, and I had our first child. So there was just a ton going on. And I, I was kind of spinning out, like my life was really falling apart. My marriage was um, in the worst place that, you know, it's ever been. And this was all going on. And uh, so I just stopped and I realized that I needed to be honest about what I wanted and truly where I felt pulled. And it was not to continue this business with my co-founder. So I had a conversation. I had a few different conversations. And looking back, it's, that's a little blurry of like which conversation happened first. But had a conversation. And ultimately what happened in that first conversation was this sunk cost fallacy for both myself and my co-founder. And even, um, you know, my husband and some of our family. So we had personally invested money into this effort. We were bootstrapping it as much as we could. And I thought, okay, uh, yeah, this, these numbers, like these opinions are all valid. Like we should, I should give this another go. Like, I think I can do everything. <laughs> That's what I told myself. It's like, I think I can balance being a part-time stay-at-home mom, um, teaching still, part-time and running this like, you know, independent dance, um, consultant choreographer business that I had always had. And, oh, and we're going to move. So we moved to a different city, the city we're going to live now. Um, so I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, let's just keep going because that sunk cost fallacy was just taking over of like, well, there's too much money already invested in this. There's too much time. So I can't just walk away. I've got to figure out how to just keep going. And so that's what I did. And I spent a year of my life trying to figure out a way to, one, either convince my co-founder to buy me out because I really thought that that was probably the best solution. And she had the original passion and the drive. Um, but, you know, this is like not to her fault. Like she really didn't want to do it without me. She wanted to do it together. And if I wasn't going to be in it, um, then she didn't want it either. And so we then searched for a new buyer in so many different places. We tried to bring in um, a third um, founder and give them equity and sit back as silent partners. And it was just, we talked to so many different consultants and mentors and just advice from all different places. And you guys, like that was a year of my life of just, um, having really like emotionally distraught conversations and all of that to say, we finally got to a place where we were back at the beginning of that conversation loop of, Hey, we've now spent even more time and resources and gotten more people's hopes up that this, you know, is going to continue. Um, and here we are again. And I, I had a, um, 
an opportunity that had come my way to purchase um, the dance studio business that I currently own. And that was what really sealed the deal. I mean, that actually happened before. That happened about six months before. And I was still trying to push forward with this other business, which is ridiculous. But that, but that's what made it so obvious. It's like, tell us, what are you doing? Like, you're wearing way too many hats. You're wearing none of them well. Why would you try to start a new business that you just bought when you can't even focus on the one you have and run it well? And so I had to confront all of those things. And realized that the sunk costs that I perceived were not going to crush me. And I had to move forward with that, that deep-seated knowing that the, that that wasn't for me anyway. And so we, um, that was my final decision. And so because of that, you know, what ended up happening is we, we folded the company and we, you know, we were thankfully given a, um, forgivable loan. And so, um, we weren't indebted, um, like, you know, up uh, above our eyes and had to, um, suffer that, but it was still a, a suffering for sure. And like a blow to my ego. And I felt like I, you know, ultimately let people down, um, you know, our families and my husband and, and stuff. And so, um, that was all a process, but again, I was avoiding that. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew the disappointment and the shame and the all the emotions that I was going to feel if I actually said, yep, this, this, it's not going to work. We're going to fold. Um, I was avoiding that, but it was actually making it worse because I ended up spending way more time than necessary. I gave up valuable time in my life to just kick that can down the road. And so as I'm sharing this story, you know, maybe there's something coming up for you. Um, but I wanted to give you some, some takeaways, some tangible like how to deal with that or how to even know. Um, so you're not like me and you're not like two years past that mark where you know you should go, but you ignore it anyway because you don't really see it. Nobody stopped me and said, hey, you're stuck in a sunk cost fallacy phenomenon. Tell us like this is what you should be weighing. Um, but what I want to share with you are two things. So first and foremost, if you're questioning, if you are in the right fit for um, a job, a situation, investment, a relationship, whatever, ask yourself this question. What is true no matter what? What is true no matter what? And some things that come to mind might be like, um, if you're married and your, your marriage is awesome, that's great. You might say, my husband loves me no matter what. Like if I lose my job or I quit this thing, like I know that my husband loves me and that's great. My mom loves me. My dad loves me. Like, yes, I hope that you know also that God loves you no matter what. That is absolutely always true for anybody who wants that is he loves us no matter what. Um, and I think you have to start with that reminder to pull your focus away from, you know, the lies of like, well, you know, I'm probably just going to be seen as a failure if I quit this or I'll always like, don't use always and nevers in your life. Because as I look back on that, like I, in that moment of starting that, um, startup, like I thought I'm always going to have this. Like I, you know, there were a lot of like always and nevers. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, that was just, 
if I'm so blessed to live to be 85 years old, like that was such a little blip on the radar. Um, And that leads me to my second question for you to ask yourself, what is it that you get to take with you from this experience? If you choose to leave, to let it go, to put it down, what is yours that no one can take from you? And when I think about that time that I spent, um, I learned so much. I don't consider it a failure because while on paper, you know, I may have invested money that, you know, I haven't gotten back in a direct way. I learned some incredible skills being up in front of hundreds of people talking about a vision and selling that and, and practicing these, these pitches and speaking in front of, you know, very high net worth individuals. It put me in a place now to be able to do things in my career that is, it's just funny. It's like, oh, wow, God. Yeah. Okay. You were just teeing that up right there. You know, it, it showed me a lot about my true nature. Um, it taught me that I have a greed problem, you guys. And that was so obvious when I was in that setting of the startup community. And I was just like very attracted to numbers and having these incredible financial gains. And that's, I'm not saying that's bad that you can't want to make a lot of money, but I knew I was like, Oh, this is, there's a root motivation here. That's not good. I was only in it for the money and the fame, right? So those are things that I can take with me. I can now take knowledge. I can take connections. I can take, because there are people that I met during that period of time that I still interact with, that I still have great relationships with. And I, I learned, you know, what not to do again. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have learned some of these lessons. And I'm so thankful that I learned them, you know, relatively early in life. And now I can go, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again, or I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to make sure I set some clear boundaries. I'm going to be really careful about going 50-50 on a partnership again, because that's just incredibly difficult when it comes to decision-making, big decision-making. Those are the kinds of things that I can take with me. So I want you to ask yourself these two questions and know that you're not alone. And this could be a blessing in disguise. And we always have the opportunity to see our circumstances that way. So I encourage you and I hope that this conversation, this idea has been helpful to you. And again, it's about waking up because when we arise, we are alert. We are awake to our life happening now. And sometimes that means pausing and recognizing what's happening before we can really step into the place that God is calling us to. Thank you for listening to the When We Arise podcast. Please take just a few moments to leave a review if you haven't done so yet. Your review helps other women like you find this show. And now let's get to your dance break. Click the link in the show notes to find the When We Arise playlist on Spotify with new music added every week. 